Okay, good evening everyone. Nice to be back, Baruch Hashem, after the Yom Tevim. The subject of tonight's Shia is a new world and new hope. Pashas Noyach, we often discuss the mubble, the flood, but I'd like to discuss the development of mankind after the flood. And maybe we can derive a little bit of inspiration and a bit of chizuk, a bit of encouragement for our situation now that we face in the land of Israel. So, Noyach comes out the Teva, the, the, the Ark. And he comes outside, and when he opens that door, you can imagine the shock that Noyach had. When he looked outside, he saw that the world was totally desolate. There were now trees. There was now things growing. But the entire society, the entire everything that he had was gone. All the people, everyone he knew, every village, every neighborhood, every country, had ceased to exist. And in fact, all the dead of the flood had been washed up towards one country, which is called Bavel, Babylon which today is known as Iraq. That's where the dead of the flood were all swept up and buried. The land of Israel did not have the same ferociousness of the flood, but water still came into the land of Israel. And there were no one who was able to survive that experience. Now with Noah coming out of the and out of the ark, he now had the awesome job of establishing a new world, a new community, a new man. And this is something that is quite daunting if you think about it. Because we live in society where societies have already been developed. But imagine coming out and coming into a new experience where there's no one else around and you're it. Everything has to come from you. And what did Noach do? He planted a grapevine. And he's criticized. He should have planted first wheat. Because with wheat, you can have bread. With grain, you can have your sustenance. But instead, he plants a grapevine. Why did he plant a grapevine? So you can imagine the experience that Noah had. He had just come out of an entire year busy feeding animals. In a closed box. And for those of us who are claustrophobic, you can imagine what that meant. You had no garden to go into. There were no roads. You were stuck inside an ark. You couldn't even be like on a ship where you go to the deck. No. You were stuck inside this enclosure for an entire year. And you came out, there was nothing there. What did you want to do? I think it would be safe to say I would have a lechaim to make myself feel better, to try and lift my spirit. And Noach plants the grapevine. But this grapevine had tremendous power. And with that grapevine, the grapes were so pungent and so strong that they actually made him drunk, though he never expected it. And in being a drunken state, Something terrible happened. And that was his son, Cham. And there's a discussion what he did. 
Some say that he castrated him. Some say that he sodomized him. Some say that he just made fun of him, humiliated him. But either way, it was a very terrible thing that took place. And it led Noach to curse his own child. Let's put ourselves in his shoes for a minute and examine the situation. You've come out and you're feeling a bit low. You need to lift yourself up. What did Noyach do for that? He had a lechayim. He had a drink. Why was he criticized for this? So let me explain. Rivavram Kalmanovitz of blessed memory was a rav in Poland, a great Rosh Hashiva who went to America. And what happened was, is that Rav Kalmanovitz, during and after the war, left no stone unturned to make sure that the Torah would be learned, that people would still be able to have yeshivas after they'd been decimated. And he was challenged, why are you using so much of your energy for this? And he explained from Noach like this, when Noach came out of the Teva, not only was he tired and needing a lift, but he was also limping. Why was he limping? Because Chazal say that he used to feed all the animals, including even the wild animals like the lion. And one time he was late to feed the lion, and the lion hurt him, and he limped from then on. So the question is, Ostrov of Kamenovitz, is why was he punished so badly for missing the lion once? And he explained, because if there's one lion in the world, one pair of lions, what happens if you're late? If you're late, that lion might die. And therefore, he was taken to task very strictly because one lion is all there is. One male, one female. And therefore, you have to treat them in that way. And Sedrov of Kalmanovitz, after the war, the Torah has got very few adherents now. And therefore, we need to extend ourselves in the most dramatic way on behalf of them. But the truth is, this is not just the angle and the perspective when there's only one. Even when there's more than one, we have to treat them as such. Like Chazal say, how did Avram Avinu and Sarah, how were they able to create the Torah network that they created? And the answer explains Rabbi Leif from Rashi is a nefesh because they treated each and every person and someone special as an individual that they valued and that they held sacred. So Noach, despite the fact that he'd extended himself, did not extend himself enough. And when he came out of the ark, he wanted to sit back and have a lechaim. That wasn't the time. It was a time for building. It was a time for establishment. It was a time to make a new world. And we know that the foundations of everything defines how that's going to be. When you lay the foundations, then what takes place is that however strong they are, will be the building. We live in a time now where Hashem is asking and crying out to us 
to build a new world. The Jewish people, I don't have to explain, have been struck in a way that has shaken us to the core. But what is so beautiful is that Jews around the world have reacted as we are, as if my brother, my sister, was in Be'eri, Kfa'aza, and the other places. Jews from around the world have come together in a feeling that this is like my family over there. Each one is someone who we value and we will never ever forget. But now is the time to lay the foundation. We can sit all day and we can watch the news. We can sit all day and we can be angry. We can sit all day and we can point fingers. But you know what Hashem is demanding of us? To lay the foundations for a new world. To develop more care, more sensitivity towards our brothers and sisters. Wherever they may be. Particularly in Eretz Israel, Where they are under such a siege, such suffering that we have. Rav Aaron Kotler of blessed memory. During the war extended every effort to try and save Jews. And Rav Aaron once commented that he would work with the Pope if it meant saving the pinky of one Jewish person. That's how we have to view it. Never mind about our enemies, our critics, and everyone around. But let's turn around and say to our Kaddish Baruch Hu, I'm going to care about them. Now, what practically can I do over here? So a couple of ideas. First of all, when Yehoshua was fighting the war going into the land of Israel, and it was a time when the Jewish army were there, and he was conquering Jericho and the city of Oi. What happened was, is he went for a walk, and he sees in front of him someone dressed in military garb, and he looked at this and he said, are you for us or our enemies? I don't recognize you. And the Gemara says that the person said, I'm actually a Sar Tzvar Hashem. I am the officer of the army of HaKadosh Baruch. I am an angel. So he said, well, why have you come? He says, I've come now because you've made two mistakes. You have forgotten to sacrifice the afternoon sacrifice and you have not been learning Torah now. Now remember, this is a state of war. Yeshua said, which one is the one that's made it that you came? What's the more serious one? He said, Atabati, Atabasi. I've come now, which means the Loshan of Otto, the language of Otto expresses Torah, like we know from Parsha Sazinu. Now let's think about this. Yeshua is fighting a war. But remember, at night, it's not a time of war. It wasn't a time of active battle. And therefore, there was time for the people to sit and learn Torah. So what did Yeshua do? He sat and he learned a depth of a halachic sugya, a halachic topic. Ashrav Asher Weiss. Why did the angel come dressed in military garb? Why didn't the angel come dressed as an angel? Why did it come in specifically military garb? Or if it's coming to express the lack of Torah, let it come as being a, dressed like a Talmud Chacha, like a Rav. Says Rav Asher Weiss, 
because the angel was reminding Yeshua that the Jewish people do not function according to the ways of the world. And therefore, he was explaining, if you want to be victorious in your battle, you need to learn. Because the military only has power if the spiritual is in order. As King David said, We were standing. In the gates of Jerusalem. What do you mean we were standing? He was fighting a war. Says the Gemara, we're only successful, says King David, because we were standing in the Shari Yishlam, because of the Torah that was being learned. That's why we were successful. And therefore, if a person takes upon himself to take a safer, to take one of the holy books and learn something, and learn something specifically, this is going to be my Seder. This is going to be something that I'm doing on behalf of the soldiers. Then Hashem pairs you up with the soldier and you give him a means of survival. Secondly, when King David was fighting one war, he had the most powerful general called Yoav. Yoav was a very great personality and extremely powerful. And what happened was, is Yoav turned to the king and said, we prefer if you don't come and fight with us. And David was a a tremendous warrior. In fact, in one war, he killed 200 people, just himself. The answer is that Yoav said, we need your prayers more than your battle. When you go and you're davening for us, then we will be successful. So when you take upon yourself to say a tehillim, to say some song, when you take upon yourself to say a prayer, whatever else it is, and you have in mind that this should be on their behalf, you're giving them power. That's what we understand. Because you can't understand it any other way. Because the reality is, if we were like every other nation annals of history, we wouldn't be here. We would be as a few pages in a history book, in the words of Osher Weiss. No one can turn around and say that the Jewish people are like any other nation. You can't be as blind as to think that. We're not. The very fact that little Israel stands surrounded by hundreds of millions of enemies and has survived and thrived is nothing short of miracles. The very fact that we've survived 2,000 years with everyone trying to destroy us is miracles and wonders. And therefore, what we have to realize now is we've got to invoke the divine. And certainly from where we are. Because realistically we're not going to be fighting in this war. We're not soldiers. And therefore, for us to not hold up weapons at the moment, we've got to hold up our real weapons. We've got to sit back and learn and daven and extend ourselves. The Gemara in Tainis, Dafyud Aleph, on page 11 says a phenomenal thing. It says any person who is Pirish Menatzibur, anyone who separates himself from the community, says the Rambam, has no portion in the next world. He is cut out of the Jewish people. What does it mean to separate himself? So explains the following. When the Jewish people are in Tsar, when the Jewish people are in difficulty, and what does he do? He says, I'm just going to go home and do what I like. I'm going to go watch the rugby. I'm going to eat and drink. Whatever happens, happens. I don't really care. Such a person is cut out of the Jewish people. 
So what should he do? Says the prima godim, he needs to daven. He needs to daven and he needs to feel the pain. We need to feel that pain. We need to spend some time, not to get depressed and down, but we need to spend some time feeling the tsar, feeling the pain. Why do I say it's a new world, a new hope? Because where we have come to now, there's no going back. There has been a shift and a change that has taken place in Jewish history that has shifted all our mindsets. Because until Simcha's Torah this year, there were still many people who foolishly believed that we can just negotiate and make peace with the Arabs. But we have seen that what they said is what they want to do. And we realize that this battle is a battle for our very existence. And from now on, we are going to build something new. I would say the following. I would have in mind, and I would dive into Hashem. Hashem, please make it that for every Jew that has been murdered in your holy name, let's build another settlement. Let's build it right by Gaza. Let's build it in Gaza. Let's have 1,500 new settlements. When I was traveling in Israel, when I went with Shlomo, my son Shlomo for his bar mitzvah, so we passed by an area of settlement where our guide told us that because of the three boys that were killed, this is the settlement that was made specially because of that. Let's dive into Hashem that we're able to build hundreds and thousands more settlements of Jews in the land of Israel. Let's dive into our Kaddish Baruch Hu, that we will expand and build. But with one condition, we're going to build a new settlement on the spirit, in the spirit of respect and peace and not infighting. We're going to build it with the idea that there is nothing more beautiful in the entire existence of the world than one Jew. Nothing more beautiful, nothing worth more, nothing more precious in God's eyes. When Noach came out of the Teva, in a sense there was a certain part of him that was broken. And therefore he went to drink. We are not going to go to drink. We are going to build. We're going to be practical. We're going to infuse our children and our families with love of each other and love of Hashem. We're going to build, we're going to daven, we're going to learn, we're going to extend ourselves. Rav Osher Weiss, who's one of the greatest halachic authorities of the generation, said something very nice when he spoke to some yeshiva boys. And he said, you must know that the soldiers by the front do not have the opportunity of having a sleep in the afternoon. Neither should you. They are doing their job fighting you need to do your job by maintaining the spiritual equilibrium, by learning and davening. And this isn't just on the yeshiva boys, this is on all of us. Wherever we are around the world, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is looking at us. Are we feeling the pain? And are we extending ourselves? In the Torah, in Parshas Lech Lecha, we have over there, Yishmuel, who was born, and he was thrown out of the home. But when he was born, Hashem said something very interesting about Yishmuel. He said he will be a para Adam. 
Peroda means a wild person, volatile, violent, etc. And we've seen that. But there is something else. In Hebrew, we always put the noun before the adjective. When you say he's a good man, you say Adam Tov. If you want to say that the food is nice, you say Ochel Ta'im. It's, ta- it's tasty food, but we don't put the adjective first. You put the, the noun and then the adjective. Why then, asks the commentators, when we describe Yishmael, does it say Pera Adam? Pera Adam is in the wrong order. It should say Adam Pera, a person who's wild. Why does it say Pera Adam, wild, and then man? Say the authorities in the Mara echoes this. Because there is one nation in this world that are closer to wild animals than to people, and that's Ishmael. And that is why, says the Maharal, and the Chidah brings this, there are virtually no converts that ever come from them. And if they are, they say it's because there was Jewish blood. We have plenty of converts from Europeans, blacks, all around the world. But from the Arabs, we have virtually zero. And the reason for this is, is because of who they are inside. That's not consistent with a godly existence. This violence that they have. Let us not have the wool over our eyes. And let us realize, Hashem has sent us the enemy. But they are the rod of His wrath. And this enemy is here to bring us together and to create a new world. There were Jews in Tel Aviv who ran a non-kosher restaurant, as unfortunately there are plenty in Tel Aviv. But they wanted to feed the soldiers. So you know what they did? They cushioned their restaurant and got a certificate so that they could feed the soldiers. There were Jews down south who had to leave their homes. They were evacuated. Jews around the country have opened their homes to strangers so that they have a place to sleep, a place where they can be safe. Jewish people have made tzitzis. I know personally someone who made a thousand tzitzis for the soldiers and drove down to give it to them so that they could be strengthened. There are singers like Yishayib Ribo who has gone to army bases and hospitals to sing and perform on behalf of the wounded and behalf of the soldiers because he wants to encourage them. There are boxes and boxes of supplies and finances that Jews have sent from around the world to our brothers and sisters. I ask you, is there anything sweeter than that? Where Jews gather together and realize we only have each other. We will never be successful on the empty promises of the nations of the world. And even those that have been positive towards us, may they continue to be. We can never rely on that. We can only rely on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's only if we trust in Him and we recognize Him and we make Him central to our lives. Rav Osher Weiss tells a beautiful story. He knows personally someone who had served in the army. And what happened was, is on Simcha's Torah, he heard what was going on. 
And he decided to do something which you would think would be an impossibility. He took his rifle, he got in the car, because you're saving lives, and he drove down south. And he arrived at a yeshuv. I don't know which one it was. But as he got there, the Arabs were breaking into the yeshuv. He took out his rifle and he started shooting. And he managed to kill a few and he managed to get some to flee. And in this way, he was able to hold them off single-handedly until they were made safe. Do you understand this? This wasn't the wild guy. This wasn't someone who just had a, a bee in his bonnet. This was someone who felt a passion for the Jewish people. When you feel a passion for the Jewish people, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will give you the help that you need. And let me tell you, he no way felt in any way that he could possibly do this. He understood this was only with the help of Hashem. And Hashem helped him. We have to know that on the one hand, this could be a long protracted war. But on the other hand, if we trust in our Father, if we look with our eyes up to heaven, He can push the button and cause them to go running like he did to all the nations before and like the miracles and wonders that he did when we left Mitzrayim. I'll conclude with the following. Rav Sholem Orush brings down something quite startling. When they asked him, how could it be? How could it be? He said one thing which is just phenomenal. If you look when we left Egypt, In the last three months, Pharaoh intensified the slavery. You should know that the, that the bricks they had to make were more and they had no break and they had to get straw. You should know that things got worse when Pharaoh got this ridiculous notion to kill babies and bath in their blood. The Arabs have bathed in our babies' blood. But we've got to know that that brought forth the Geula, the redemption quicker. And this time... May it be if we cry out. May it be if we extend ourselves. That this should be the end of our exile once and for all. There's a new world that we can establish. But don't fall into the drink. Don't fall into the media. Don't fall into the negativity of around the world. Let us take ourselves and lift ourselves up. Roll up our sleeves. And say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we are with you and you're with us. And that's all we need, nothing else. May we only know simchas and victory soon. Okay. Amen. Thank you, darling.